I was eating cheese burrito sandwiches, but now it's just the lettuce and tomatoes. Cheese burrito sandwiches. You might call them quesadillas like a coward. <laughs> like in a tortilla? Quesadillas? Just like two tortillas with cheese in them. Oh. Cheese burrito sandwiches? Yeah, not what I was yeah, that's not what I was picturing. You I was picturing loser? God I was, I was, that pi- since I was a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was picturing that you took a quesadilla and put it between two slices of bread. <laughs> Jeez, Django. That's not J. Oh, man. We call them CBSs for short. Cheese burrito sandwiches. That's <laughs> that's the kind of thing a little kid would say. <laughs> Cock sandwiches. Cheese burrito. Wow. Well, enjoy your big boy food over there. <laughs> I'm going to go put this away before I get more embarrassed and self-conscious about the food that sustains me, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I hope you didn't teach the boys that name. Oh, my tummy hurts. The cheese burrito sandwiches? Yeah. They use them. Yeah, they I'm not saying them. do they eat them or not. Do they refer to them as the cheese burrito sandwiches? Yeah, everybody in my house does. It's what they're He called, says in Jeff. his house alone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, dear friends, dear listeners to the Comics Place Presents the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, a comic book podcast from the comic shop, The Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington. We are your comics buddies, the ones that talk about the comics. We get a whole bunch of them every week and then we read them, we talk about them. But mostly what I'm excited to say is that this is episode 311. That's right. Amber is the color of our energy. (laughs) (laughs) Or did you say shitty band? I'm sure I've talked about our our uh, racquetball scoring system in the past, like probably five years ago when we started the podcast. I was talking about that, but anytime went through a racquetball phase, anytime it was the person who was serving had three and the opponent had eleven, instead of saying three eleven, we would just say shitty band and then serve the ball. Okay, so (laughs) one of the things we're going to be bringing forward to you, dear listener, this week is some dueling opposing views. Okay. I like very excited bands. to be uh, episode 311. Amber is the color of our energy. Django seems to be against that. Oh, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. Shitty man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm Roman. And I'm, I, I think I'm going to fall on the Amber side of things. <laughs> yeah. well, la-ti-da. Amber oh, like. Kirk like an Amber tail. alert. <laughs> like Amber Lynn, the best. Wash your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sleeping and I'm getting Amber alerts, Roman. Um, that's right. These three people love each other and they would spend time together doing anything, but they've chosen to do that recording a podcast. And we're gonna people. Begin. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and we're going to begin this podcast like we oftentimes do with a voicemail from our friend and sexual icon, Will Elmer. Hello, and happy episode 311. Hello. And yes, Amber is the color of your energy. Thank you. I'm just sitting here with Penelope right now, and we are actually starting a Star Wars marathon. And, oh. you know, no one, I'm sure no one ever asked you guys about Star Wars um, at all, but we were debating whether or not we should watch 
the movies in chronological order, in release order, or in uh, some other crazy order. So Penelope was wondering, what do you guys think the best way is to watch all of the Star Wars movies? And did you want to say anything? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Turn up. Wow. Love you guys. Awesome. Excellent. Oh. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the place for Ed Lasso reference Penelope. Thank you. We adore you. Um, So in the spirit of God's honest truth, honesty, I have a way that I think would be fun to do it, but I haven't done this because I haven't rewatched all of the Star Wars movies ever. Hmm. I mean, I I would watch them in chronological order because that's how they were initially meant to be seen. And and that's how the, the story structure was created to be. Yeah, what's, that's, what's, that's not a bad call. What's your uh, the way you would do it, Jeff, though you never have? I think it would be fun to do four and five. So A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. after the reveal of Darth Vader being his dad, then go back to episode one, two, three, learn about mm-hmm. Darth Vader and all of that mm-hmm. jazz, wrap that up, and then cut to the end end with Revenge of the Sith, Return of, Rever- Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and then the new th- three? Yeah, if you're going to throw those in, yeah, then I would do that because it's both chronological and release. Would you jump back to Han Solo after you meet Han in the cantina? No, but that's a fun point to get to with trying to decide to employ that tactic. Yeah. Yeah, what did, what did Will say? The ori- he said original just, release just, or chronological. Uh, I'm just wondering, just the main Star Wars movies or, mm. you know, Rogue One and Han Solo and the Clone War cartoons that fit between... I put one the and two movies, or whatever there. I put the movies that are one-offs, not part of a trilogy, in the same category that I put like the Disney shows or like Clone Wars or something. Mm-hmm. So as a totally take it or leave it if you want to type mm-hmm. of thing. Where and it's like anything, anything in a trilogy is gospel. But if you're not releasing it in a trilogy, you're just you're chuffa. You're flat the trilogy fat of on the boat. trilogies. Yes, exactly. A trilogy of yeah. trilogies. That's a good point. Wow, Django. I think I think it'd be fun to I mean someday, like in twenty years when all these shows are done and stuff. Um who am I kidding? It'd be fun <laughs> to watch the movies with the shows in chronological chronological order, just because I'm always like looking up, wait, okay, so because I can never remember I'm like, okay, so the Mandalorian and Andor are in the New Republic. Wait, I got to look this up again. Right. Um, so, so it'd be fun to just watch them all. But, you know, I also have never actually watched all six movies. Yeah, like in you a know, couple in, weeks. In, in any order, yeah. yeah. Um, but I've always thought if I did, I'd probably do try it chronological. At this point, they're just releasing them all mixed up. Yeah, shotgun it's blast to the timeline. Oh, Nice gimmick for the game. <laughs> wow. All right, everybody, come on down. That's right. It's episode 311 of the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. We will be peppering in hidden references to 311 songs all the while recording this podcast. Does that give you a good feeling? <laughs> oh, man. This is going to be fun. This could be a beautiful disaster. <laughs> You're going to blow them all. They don't have that many records. Oh, I've got a yeah, list. I don't know a single reference. <laughs> um, well, listen, if we're going to name them all, I'll be here a while. Oh, <laughs> okay. We, all right. We can't do that, Jeff. No, we can't. We can't um, do that. Yeah. 
Oh, my yeah. shotgun sound? Like, you got it. No, I mean, well, I couldn't hear your shotgun sound, but oh. I was just saying, like, you got to leave sometime. Don't stay home. Oh, <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> I'm just going to trust song. you on that. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's one of their songs. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, we got comics right, to hey. talk about. And instead of doing that thing where I guess generally correctly but sometimes incorrectly on a book that we've all read to talk about why don't you guys kick off the podcast discussion this week with the seasons have teeth oh boy do they the Um, boys do they created by dan waters and sebastian cabral uh this follows a news reporter or i guess an older man news photographer who stays in town after everybody um everybody evacuates because spring is coming and it turns out that spring is like a giant like green monster that grows vines around things and crushes buildings and it's just a nice little story of him going through the town taking pictures and encountering other people who stayed and meeting the the beast that is spring um i really like this and dan waters is one of those guys from like the same studio as rom v and alex pacnadel um guy that we met at comics pro one year and and hit it off with and those those guys just seem to make good stuff and this is no exception you should start the discussion every week jingle that was perfect descriptive succinct uh just wow loved that yeah i I really yeah i bet (laughs) um you just did it for 45 seconds Uh, yeah i liked this issue a lot as well it was originally pitched as what if like the seasons were giant kaiju-esque creatures and they cited kind of like evangelion-esque um and that was very reminiscent of neon genesis evangelion to me in the way that like these seasons would come into the town and people would find out and they would like be evacuating if you're in the path of this giant destructive thing that's sort of warping uh growth and life around it because it's spring so everything's you know growing i i loved that aspect of the world and i wanted just more world building from this whole thing i want like mm-hmm. i got a little nervous after this issue because it says on the final page um like coming as spring you know winter or something like that um winter is coming i feel like it said something there um like the solicitation for the next issue or so i don't know but i got worried that it's going to be just like four issues and it's just going to be kind of like glimpsing each of these four seasons and i hope that we get more characters in this world because i would really like to explore these giant seasonal kaiju things and have some sort of larger conflict or larger story going on with them yeah i wonder if we're going to follow this guy throughout or if it's just yeah be different a different town each time yeah i think the next issue will give us a much more accurate look at what the scope of this series is going to be roman what do you think after doing the files i don't even remember seeing this book Whoa. Roman, we have 16 of these on the shelf. It's probably taking up wow. three spots oh, okay. <laughs> on the top shelf uh, above Marvel. can't believe I missed a kaiju book. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't the final super page, look like one. It doesn't, yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. And at the end, there's a note on his story, and it says, just phenomenal work. Summer's forecast to land in Bergen next week. So, yeah, I think they're, like, predicting, you know, the arrival of summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a really cool idea. Again, I love Ava's and Angel's from Evangelion, and it, it really feels like a kind of more horrific version of Evangelion or so. Oh, actually, Evangelion is pretty horrific. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I liked it. And like Django said, Dan Waters, I like their stuff. It's always pretty dark. Mm-hmm. 
And, and yeah, I think it's good. I, I'm ex- I'm excited for this series. I was quite excited about it. I my only complaint is I would have maybe liked a little bit more, like and and maybe the indication that this is going to be a larger series rather than maybe just four issues, which I hope not. I'm just projecting that fear. Yeah, although Boom doesn't seem to be super afraid of extending a series if it does well. Yeah, <clears throat> they know how to make good use of time. Oh God, that was a good one, Jeff. Three eleven. I'm just assuming that was a 311 song. It was. Roman, you got to read this book, man. Kaboom in your eyeballs. This is a good book. You're going to like it. It does sound good. And I hate Spring, so it makes sense to, for Spring to be this horrible monster. Yeah. I think go. even the shitty, rainy, always dark season is also going to be a horrible monster, though. So Yeah, but it'll be more likable. Is that a 311 song? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Is 311 a band? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he didn't Google 311 song names. Uh, I give it an eight and a half. I give it, let me look at my enormous. I give it an eight and a half as well, Django. Nice. Twinsies. Twinsies. I give, I give it a 311. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm playing too. Yeah. I love it, Roman. I love you. Um, Roman, what's your next book to talk about? Well, since we're on kaiju stuff, maybe we should talk about the giant cockju. Yeah, we should. Tell me about that book. I didn't read it. Which I assume is the way you pronounce that. Did you read yeah. this, Django? No, I didn't. Oh man, is this Django, Aftershock you, comics uh, or Image? It's Image. This is Image, actually. Yeah, um, I think you would really like this, Django. Uh, it starts off with a quote from Ebert, um, Roger Ebert. Uh, but it's about a kaiju that comes ashore. Except it's um, well, it comes ashore in San Francisco, and it has big old kaiju diarrhea. Um, that's also radioactive, so it starts doing horrible stuff to people. I can see why you thought and, Django would like this book. Kaiju, yeah. kaiju, yeah, and it, it, yeah. And then it get it's it's got to do the booties. It's got to do the booty scooty like you know dogs with worms do, and drags its ass all across the streets. Um, kaiju Ria. So it's creating all sorts of just horrible, horrible things. And the art's by uh, Scott Koblish, so oh. it's really um it's really entertaining art. Um, beautiful colors, and things just get even more wild from there because it's also a, a very horny kaiju so it starts oh. um, it starts trying to mate with buildings um, <laughs> and there's a grumpy grumpy general watching from the the a helicopter or something that's trying to order his men around and he's, and he's doing all sorts of the great um oh typical kaiju disaster movie lines and everything and trying to get his men to if we don't do our jobs there are going to be a lot more dicks dick smeared people get to work boys <laughs> so does does the kaiju come original yes <laughs> that's a 311 song roman oh no oh, it is oh okay okay <laughs> sam, 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 311. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i gotta google this band i didn't i thought you were gonna say you had a good feeling so who who wrote it oh uh you know gary dugan gary oh. jerry dugan gary jerry yeah which surprised gary me I, I, don't, I, I wasn't expecting this kind of book from him um i mean admittedly i picked it up because it's kaiju how do you even spell it it's kaiju k-o-k-j-u but the but the u has a not an umlaut a uh, just a line over it so i don't know what that means for oh well on one page it is a, part of the, the j right well yeah and some of it but then on the ginormous cockju it has an umlaut over the u so i don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it <laughs> however you want yeah <laughs> well how do you score it it was a lot of fun that's not a score a lot, especially it's it's uh 
the big old page where it, where it satisfies itself. Um, <laughs> I would, geez, I would give this at least an 8.5. Nice. Nice. That's Almost. more exciting than a sunset in July. Oh, I mean, that's a 311 song. <laughs> <laughs> Roman's been into creatures for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's creatures for a while. <laughs> oh, they just have creatures. <laughs> no, it's in the parentheses. It's for a while. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> nice find. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's any anyone out there who like likes 311 and knows the song as soon as we say the name? I don't know, but I, I hope they put together a playlist uh, in the order that we've mentioned these tracks because these are bangers. <laughs> Looking at you, Andrew. <laughs> you accompanying 311 playlist. Holy crap, this band was formed in 1988. They've been around that long? Wow, I didn't know that. I've only hated them since the mid-90s. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, ever heard of them. Rock, reggae, alternative rock, punk rock, ska, hard rock. They're everything. Wow. You ever heard that song? It's like, whoa, amber is the color of your energy. Whoa, waves of something flowing naturally. Whoa. Nope. Dude, I don't think I could pick a 311 song out of a lineup. I mean, (laughs) seriously. I I only only hate them because I worked at a movie theater or at at a CD store the year they got big. Okay. All right, guys. I just got rid of a wicked case of the hiccups. The wiki hickeys. The wiki hickeys, we call them. Hey, did you guys read Roman's book this week? What was Roman's book this week? Little Monsters? I haven't read Danger Street yet. I was saving it, and I forgot that it was Friday. Well, looks like we've got more than one giant cock chew. That's me. I'm the one with the giant cock chew. No. No. <laughs> You're really no. hurting my self-esteem right now, Jeff. I think you guys should talk about Danger Street. And all all right, stuff. my stony baby. <laughs> 311. <laughs> um, Danger Street was really good. Roman, did you read your book? I did read it. Yes, I did. Uh, okay, well, we'll make this kind of brief, but I just love that we're in this flow. It's I just I was thinking about like this is such a weird like framing device the way that this story is being told like no 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 duh looking back on it, we were just totally confused for like two full issues like now you get it though but like this like medieval night fable narration device as then each of the characters is sort of referred like at this point i know like the princess is lady cop and like the ogre is the creeper and you know you can just hear those things but like trying to put that all together without any hand holding for those first two issues was pretty nuts I know, and it's funny, and I don't remember if we even know why the Helmet of Fate is telling the story in a bar somewhere in in that kind of fairy tale metaphor. Or yeah, I don't know why it's doing that, but it's fun. Yeah, it's it's really good. I I love that. Like the creeper is totally channeling Tucker Carlson on that final page. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is really. It is great, and it's a natural extension of of. Ditko's the creeper. I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of like, oh, come on, because I love the creeper, but it makes sense, and I love his confrontation with Batman and the yeah. fact that, that, and I guess, well, this is a black label book, right? Yeah, it is. Because yeah. I was surprised. I was like, wait, Jack Ryder knows who Batman is? That seems like a bad idea. Bats. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great to see Fornes drawing Batman. So we've talked about every issue of this, but it's just really yeah. found its 
found its pace at this point and it's easy to get in and out of and doesn't take a ton of work. And it's one of my most excited books that uh, of the week, every week that it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I love the fact that the green team, those entitled brats are being played up for as evil as they would naturally be in the real yeah. world. And I was surprised that blue star man beat the crap out of Orion. <laughs> yep. That was a good scene too. Yeah. We'll see how Fornes does with Kirby art Kirby and the, I don't, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I hope Fornes doesn't have one weakness and it's being able to channel Kirby. I mean, I there know. have been some pretty bad fourth world art excursions, I think. For sure. For sure. It's just, he's like amazing at everything. Yeah. But yeah. I had that thought in the third issue. There was like some Kirby stuff. I was like, Ooh, that's not, that's not great. I thought there was some, one particular panel in this issue that was very, very good Kirby-esque, but I okay. can't, I can't even find it now. Well, I gave the book a 9.0 because I think it's effing great. Jing, are you texting? Is your text message? Is that what I'm hearing come through this recording that we're doing? Yeah, I just got a text. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's not really a professional recording. This professional recording here? This professional. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll also give it a 9. Yeah. Um, Can I say something about this? Please. Uh, we just bought that big collection of comics. We just bought a big collection of comics. I think there's a a full run of DC first issue specials. So I'm going to try to put those together and put them out on the shelf so that people who are digging this book can, can see where it came from. Cause flipping through them, I was like, holy shit, this is absolutely taken from these, these stories or these characters anyway. Yeah. Well, and there's like, even in this issue, which is called Manhunter, it's got like in the indicia of the issue, you know, the table of contents, it's got like in the background pictures of that cover from first issue special. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I only recognize from just handling them like a night or two ago. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Django. Jeffrey. Take me away. Take take me away. Way. Should, should I take you away to the all the devils are here? Did you guys both read that? Did either of you read that? I did not read it. I didn't read it. Oh, I didn't read it. God damn it, you guys. I looked at the hairy eyeball arm. Yeah, it's just a like a one shot. It's probably 48 pages about a priest uh, performing an exorcism. And it's his journey through hell inside this person. And normally you all know that that's not really my thing, like dreamscapes and and spooky. Well, I like spooky stuff, but not not dreamscapes where you don't know where your feet are and, and what you're standing on and what the rules are. But this had some of the most interesting character designs. Uh, like a, like the devil has a big hairy arm filled with eyeballs and the top of his head is just like this elongated tongue that goes backwards on his uh like above his jaw and he's got an eyeball <laughs> inside of a floating sphere hovering above it like super interesting character designs and good action scenes i don't think that the writing or the art is super skilled but there's something here that's uh, a little bit better a little bit different than what I would have guessed. Um, so I think I think anybody who likes short horror stories and can get past uh, art that's a little bit rough, like it's it's not that it's not ready for prime time. It's just not not what I would have expected from a comic that's this big and slick. Uh, written by Jared Lujan with art by Matt Harding, and uh, I I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Although I I could be convinced to give it an eight if I had had a discussion about it with other people that I like. Hmm. Sounds like the perfect kind of book to read at eight sixteen a.m. That I, I think you're right. I think I think it would be a good book to read at eight sixteen a.m. on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Did you guys read Phantom Road number two? I did. 
yes. I I liked this book quite a bit, you guys. Um, the first issue I liked also quite a bit, but we didn't get a lot out of the first issue, and I felt like we got a lot more explanation for what's going on in this world in this issue and met a couple other people and kind of got at least a compass for what the direction of this story is going to be, whereas we didn't for the first issue. And I also really like the art in it. I, I think yeah. I was maybe warmer on the art in the first issue than some of the other people I talked to, um, but I, I like it particularly in this issue as well. I thought that this had a really good description of what was going on with the, uh, the the two worlds sort of being side by side. You know, it's like that like that classic thing where somebody takes a piece of paper and a pen and stabs the pen through two parts of the paper to show you how you can fold space and time to travel in a space movie. Um, but this guy does it with some salt on a table. And uh, he, I, I think he's just doing a really good job of setting up setting up rules, but not explaining the rules to you as you go. And uh, no little kids walking in the snow yet, but I've got faith. Do you think this dude in the, in the, the, it's not really a Hawaiian shirt. I'll say Hawaiian shirt. Um, do you think he's really the devil? Who do you think he is? Ooh, that's a good idea. He does yeah. look a little, a little like a homegrown devil, doesn't he? Yeah. Like looks southern little, devil. Yeah. Well, he's got like a Reagan face reagan hair yeah they stumble upon this person a diner who you know spells a little bit out of what's going going on to them but i love i love biblical references and stuff so it's a place called golgotha which was Mm -hmm. the the hill where jesus was right that was the hill where he was sacrificed yeah um and uh yeah so I, i like a slight extension of a biblical reference and a kind of retelling of that idea in modern day society um, and again, the art's even got like little bits of Eduardo Riso in it at times, or even like oh. a little bit of Chaikin at times, it feels like. Um, there's not some this of the faces. Gabriel Walta, who did uh, the art in the Sentient with Jeff Lemire, too. Oh, nice. Hey, oh, yeah, uh, and Vision with Tom King. Yeah. I was just going to mention, <laughs> Jeff Lemire. We all know one of Django's favorite writers. Um, I am also a huge fan. Roman, I think, is also a huge fan. But particularly outside of being a great writer, like he's like a desert island if you can only have, you know, the work of three writers, artists, but you've got all of their work. Like his work is so diverse. I guess he's been leaning more towards horror the last several years. Like Black Hammer can be pretty creepy at times. This is horror. Gideon Falls, Black Feathers. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely got the horror chops, but yeah, but he does so many different types of things. And I think black hammer is only horror when he wants to write a horror story in a superhero universe. Like, yeah, it's, it's always a little horrific just because of the setup, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's such a Lemire homebrew. Oh, that's good. I just realized that I said space and time a few minutes ago. That was accidentally a 311. Oh, you get two points for that one, dude. (laughs) Wow. Like like two points, like whiskey and wine, if you know what I mean. Wow. Damn. Um, Roman, where do you put this in the pantheon of books that have numbers associated with them? Eight and a half. Nice. Do you feel like you got all your thoughts out out about it, Roman? Sorry, I... I really like the fact that the the gas station diner they stop up they stop at is called Billy Bear. Yeah, <laughs> I like that too. Do you think it's Me a reference too. to to Bucky's? Bucky's. It's what? this universe's Bucky's, which is like a southern um, oh gas station thought... Walmart kind of thing. No, oh, I thought you meant Cap- America, the Winter Soldier, Capsule Buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, D- different different spelling. Hey, uh, Roman, one... a... oh sorry, Jango. Oh sorry, Jeff. Those sorry, are guys. neither of the... none of those. <laughs> Our 311 songs. No, what were you going to ask Roman? I was going to move I don't on. Know. So, so you oh, should yeah. your score. Nine. Nice. I gave it, 
A nine. Wow. Nine. Nice. And Rumi nice. said eight point five. Yes. Thought I could go nine too. Yeah. <laughs> you going let's nine? Make it, let's make it all around a all around. What do you think three eleven is a reference to? Um, nine eleven. Yeah, ahead, you're ahead right. of their time. So yeah. the, six years before. What's the three one one? It was way earlier than that. Oh, it was eighty seven, right? This is some biblical thing. Is it some biblical thing? I don't know. There's like three sixteen. Maybe there's a three. There's a three eleven. I don't know what Ezekiel it is. Ezekiel three eleven. And lo, thou shalt make a band that some people like, but only some and not all. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet those people. Uh, Roman, I've been excited to yeah. talk to you about Superman Lost for a while. Did you read this issue? Uh, I did, but I lost my train of thought. Ah. Three eleven jokes. <laughs> yeah, um, they probably have a song called Lost. I did read it. Roman, did you notice at the at the credit page that there's a special thanks to to me to Dave Van Dommelen, PhD, and oh, I, yeah, I did see that. And you can tell that there is like some PhD consulting going on in this book about the science of Superman's abilities, there, particularly yeah, in how much they talk about gravity. Yeah, all the stuff about um, how gravity actually affects his powers, which yeah. usually isn't mentioned and was all new to me. I, that was my favorite thing in this issue is Superman and him knowing all this, that how it affects his powers or anybody for Krypton um, and trying to compensate for that. And the fact that, you know, he does things like like we do with our little old spacecrafts and stuff and slingshot them around planets in order to pick up speed and get to the that next planet. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just, uh, while reading it, thought that you w- would have really enjoyed that. I thought Roman loves accurate science in his comic books, and this is, seems like accurate science. It does. I mean, I certainly don't know if it's ac- if things are accurate, but w- write it well and impress me, and I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah, and I like his new costume that he gets at the end, although don't it's not really explained why that's his new costume, but it looks good. Or why he has a rearview mirror. Oh, yeah. Is he wearing a helmet? No, it's just, just like oxygen a... mask. No, but in front of him, there's a rearview oh. mirror. No, that's just uh, so he knows where he's going. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was so he could see behind him. Yeah, it's his his GPS Siri thing. Um, Jenga, are you reading this also? Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Um, The art was amazing the first time, and it's amazing again the second time. Even just that shot of Lois walking into the the bedroom with Clark all fucked up and sleeping on the floor with his holding his breath. It's like that's that's some good mood setting. Yeah, um, he's in like the fetal position and he's holding his breath because where he was for years, like there was limited oxygen. And he had to hold his breath. Like it, it's very PTSD and it's weird to see Superman in that position. I agree. Yeah. And and the little aliens that he meets were super cute. And like, I don't know, they, they were very not comic booky. Like they bring this guy on board and have a conversation with him and help him a little bit. And then that's that. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't. There was no battle. There was no like good guy, bad guy, anything going on in there. They weren't really combative with each other. Like it was just an adult conversation that happened to be on on a spaceship with Superman and four little weird dudes. Um, and then the the social commentary I thought was interesting on the planet that he landed on. His suit looks a little bit like, or his jetpack looks a little bit like Luther Luther's costume in the end. Hmm. Um, like his his mech suit, it's pink and green. Or purpley, pinky green. I it kind of reminded me of Tom King's run on Up in the Sky, where Superman was like he was like encountering things that he couldn't fix and having to move on. And so he encounters this planet 
that's totally fucked up and you would think that he would like in the, in the silver age or the golden age he would have come up with a solution he would have been like oh hey i gave these people the ability to grow grain and now everything's better but Instead, he just kind of has to leave because it's too big of a problem for Superman to fix. Yeah, it's a brutal realization for Superman. Yeah, Our problems are too big for you is the ending quote of the issue. Just like too much to think about. That's a nice way to to maybe look at this series in a way, kind of a spiritual companion to Tom King's series that you mentioned. Because, yeah, the next issue is SeaWorld, a space odyssey. So maybe some kind of aquatic culture and different things he has to deal with there scientifically and culturally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see again where this book's going to be going and if it's just kind of a 10 issue odyssey of him um, bopping into different places. I'd like that maybe a little bit less than dealing with some like the traumatic. I want to know about a traumatic experience that Superman goes through, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, being gone that long from your family would be traumatic all by itself, like with no way to for sure get home. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I'm I'm sure we're going to, we're going to, work our way into the trauma that's coming up issue seven i'll bet is when we really get into the the deep deep part of the trauma the gristle yeah that well i gave this issue an eight and i like this series a lot and i appreciate the consulting for the science stuff and i laud them for doing that to be accurate uh eight and a half from me and i also laud them oh that was ten to your sense um i'll give it a nine though i have one question for you guys yeah on the very first page the lower left panel there where it's Bruce Batman in the cave. And he's talking to Lois on the phone. What is he doing with his hand? Cause he's like moving his hand up into a fist. I mean, is he just, I was like, is I this assume a double- it's like him twisting it to like, make sure it, you know, is okay. Cause it just got taped by Alfred, but I didn't notice that until you pointed it out. And it almost looks like an art error. Yeah. That's what I thought it was at first. I was like, what the hell's going on with this fist? But yeah, I think it's what you just said. Yeah, it's a just... super weird choice if it's not. But yeah, you can kind of see a, the ghost of the rest of his arm there. Yeah. Backwards. That's interesting. Wonder yeah. if they'll fix it in the trade or if they care. Yeah, or if it's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, and I forgot to erase it completely here. <laughs> Whatever. At first, I thought, oh, he's doing like WWE and like shaking you know, your hand or your limb in order to try and, you know, barrel through the pain. Hey, Django, are you still reading Fantastic Four? Oh, you know I'm reading Fantastic Four. I that was, love that, was that one you're of the first five ish or six issues into a Fantastic Four run and still doing it. This is about as far as I usually get into a new Fantastic Four run. And yeah. I I don't want to slow down. I I think this is super good. I love the the small problems that are also big problems. And the their methods of solving things are really entertaining me. Um this is the first issue that's really been a follow-up to a previous issue in the same way right like the end of last issue we saw that there was the threat of this mirrored universe plankton maybe still around and then immediately that we're following up with the the resolution to that or the continuation i don't really know yet yeah it definitely it's definitely the first one that's connected to a pre-existing one for sure so spoiler alert spoilers spoilers the uh fantastic four has to figure out how to get rid of this plankton from a mirror universe or everything's gonna be consumed and and starved by it and their solution is to have sue block out the sun over the area that the plankton could have made it to in, in the last day and then have uh alicia and um thing and reed all hang out on earth trying to convince the earthlings that it's okay even though 
Fantastic Four is nobody's best friend at this point. And I thought it was cool that, like, the whole thing wraps up in this issue. We even have time for a two-page, like, a setup and an execution of a cliffhanger. And we skip a couple days in the middle there. And and I love just how how short the attention span is of the people on Earth when they're, like... <laughs> pissed at the fantastic four they got signs that say like let there be light and fascist four and then sue's done her job and she stops blocking the sun and everybody's like oh oh it's back and they just kind (laughs) of put their signs down and walk away and i thought that was like that's one of the better condemnations of (laughs) at least american society that i've read in a comic book just kind of subtle but pretty biting I really enjoyed that in the title of this issue, it's A Shot in the Dark, but it's Dr. Susan Storm Richards and Johnny Storm in A Shot in the Dark. And while this issue takes place with a bunch of the characters doing a bunch of different things, kind of the core interactions that happen are between uh, Johnny Storm and Sue Storm up in this spaceship while she is holding a block over the you know area of the planet so that it's in shade and she can't fall asleep or anything and she, you know johnny's just there to keep her awake while she's using all of her powers and i love that i love that we're getting like different combinations of characters at the focal point of these issues uh, yeah. in this run so far and also if you look at the cover of this issue after reading it you kind of get like you can see there's like a circle that a ship is flying up to you. And then like the light is coming off of it in an interesting way to kind of oh, indicate yeah. it's got the, the it's in shadow or something, but good Alex Ross. You were reading it, Roman? Yeah, this, this was great. Then another, you know, science issue and yeah. everything you guys mentioned. Uh, my the only tiny quibble I had, was like, well, you guys know the Avengers and people like that. Why don't you get hold of Tony Stark or somebody to, help convince people it wouldn't work but you know help convince people that this is necessary but yeah. uh it, but it's such a fun read and no pun intended because of read oh Richards. you son of a bitch um, and it's fun and it's funny <laughs> the art <laughs> <laughs> the art it's funny i love uh who's the artist here i love the way it's that it's usually ivan coelho this is i think the first one without him oh yeah this or maybe the, the... this is ivan Fiorelli. Yeah, Ivan Fiorelli. And it, maybe it wasn't Ivan Coelho last week or last issue as well. Maybe it was the first oh. four issues or something, but I'm not sure. I, but I know for sure that's who it was in the first uh, four or so. Okay. Well, I like I like the way maybe, and the artists are doing the weird, gross things with Reed, where Reed's doing like Plastic Man-y stuff. Mm-hmm. Though it's funny, I don't like the way he draws the thing. Um, there's a couple yeah, panels it's a little here. 90s. It's a little... Yeah, well, he's got a really weird... He draws the thing's head as being very yeah like this shot right narrow here. yeah like a like a blocky turd or something i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah which is what we refer to Django as i am oh, yeah. blocky turd <laughs> this is my little cheese burrito sandwich man yeah if it wasn't for that for that uh strange if it wasn't for that strange thing i would i'll give this a nine if it wasn't for the weird thing i'd probably give it a higher score i want to hear jeff's score but i, I do want to make one comment in yeah. here that i disagreed with mm. um they mention in here I, I think it was in this issue that i read this week that reed's stretching is silent hmm. did you guys catch that i don't remember I did. that i noticed I, I think it was in this issue and i don't like that at all <laughs> i don't like the idea of reed stretching silently i i need him to make like twisting a rubber balloon against another rubber balloon sort of sound yeah, or like, does he sneak up on somebody or something in this, and they allude to that? Huh. I can't remember. That's that curious because I've yeah, I'm curious because I've never really thought about whether he there's stretchy sounds when he stretches or Plastic Man for that matter. I, I'm down with him being silent. 
but then how do they sneak up on people and stuff? I love, I, I love it. This your mechanical arms make noise, but Reed can stretch silently. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. I don't know. What what kind of score do you have, Jeff? Uh, I wrote eight, five or nine. I I went up to nine after Roman's enthusiasm, but I mostly because I, this, I was similar to art Roman. The art is a step down from that artist who was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Though I do like his, the way he draws Reed's big stretchy hand and fingers to, to become a net. Yeah. It's like, wait, did he stretch out his skin to be all netty like in between oh, his fingers? Gross. I love the <laughs> fucked up things that Brian North is having me do. Just like the the body horror part in mm-hmm. the name of solving a puzzle really appeals to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. like perverting his eyes so that he can have a microscope eye. It's so fucking weird and so cool. Yeah. yeah. I hope he keeps yeah. writing this till the city's on fire. Yeah, there's a scene in this where he, um, in order to block people from getting on the podium on the stage, he uh, Reed stretches out his his midsection and his arm into flaps to block people, but he's not wearing his unstable molecules, so he's just shirtless and it's really gross looking. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that is weird. It is weird looking. I thought there was an art error at that point, and I had to like hold up to my eye. Django, I don't think you probably read Turtles and Rabbits, did you? I didn't but before we move on to this can i just say reggae got soul and there's no way we were going to be able to squeeze that in naturally but i feel like it's a 311 song from the surfs up soundtrack that needed to be covered yes in in our discussion reggae's got soul no 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 no. reggae got soul there's no s reggae got soul see 311 teaches me things and that's one of the reasons that we love (laughs) them here on the podcast for one episode that's true we could have worked that in. There's that reggae scene in the Ewoks issue where we could have segued into there. Yeah, I didn't read that. Hey, Roman, there was one segue you wanted to get done tonight early on. What was that? Oh, that was that was for when we were talking about Cox and Cox Jew. Oh, dang, we messed it up. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't figure out how to work it back in organically. Yeah, I don't like anything about Cox and working it back in organically. Were you guys going to talk about a Ninja Turtles comic? Turtles and Rabbits, number one, where, when? Uh, this is written and drawn by Stan Sakai. It is also in color, as most of the Usagi Yojimbo stuff has been, coming out from IDW now. And I thought it was a visual feast. Stan Sakai is such an awesome artist, and to get to see bunnies and rabbits, even though like his art is like... <sighs> Like his turtles are kind of chunky and weird looking, but like it's very reminiscent of the Eastman style. And I I don't know. I just love seeing it. It's very it's all so fun. This was great. I love Usagi. I love turtles, but I don't really like the long form, huge epic turtles book that we've been getting because it's just so involved. and There's so much story that I haven't read, even though I love the Sophie Campbell stuff. It's nice to get it in this sort of like time, timeless bite-sized chunk. So Turtles and Rabbits, Werewin, number one. I liked a lot. Roman, what do you think? I'm sure you read it. I Yeah, I did too. And I like this kind of thing too, that limited series. And Usagi and the Turtles both, you know, showed up around the same time in the 80s. And, and it's just nice to see them, see them together. Um, and plus everybody else, I think, at least so far in this first issue, all of Usagi's main cast is in this. Uh, Jen, the rhino guy, and his yeah. other, and Usagi's two, like, I think they're both cousins, other rabbit samurai. I was surprised um, how many I recognized because I haven't read a ton of Usagi, but I was like, oh, it's this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's set 
you know, specifically in the Usagi timeline um, and time, of course, there's a their time travel mix up uh, mishap that brings the turtles back to Usagi's time. And I am curious if because uh, Usagi doesn't recognize them, but they've met before. So, yeah, this must, ha- this must happen before. This must be the first time they've met, maybe. Yeah, it says it takes place during Senso, and Senso was a hardcover that came out like six years ago, but maybe I haven't read it, so maybe it's like an early story of Usagi or something that maybe would have taken place before they met. Yeah, yeah, and I don't remember any of the details in other Turtles Usagi stories, you know, how they know each other, or if they remember knowing each other, or if it just happened and they don't talk about it. Wow. Um, There was a lot. Oh, there was something at the very end here. Oh no, all Dude. four turtles do end up back there. Yeah. Yes. I just I Googled Usagi Yojimbo Senso to get an idea of what it was because it said this takes place in the in those issues, between those issues. It says Usagi Yojimbo Senso is a storyline that's based loosely on the H. G. Wells novel of the same name. Hmm. Wow, never heard of it. Senso? <laughs> yeah, S-E-N-S-O. So I've never heard of the H. G. Wells one. Yeah. Um interesting this was a like a graphic novel that came out 2015 god it was young long, younger ago than i thought well i guess eight years anyway um what, yeah i like this a lot what did you think of the there's a panel when the turtles are still in their own time on a rooftop a big panel that um sakai does that's an homage to one of the classic like original turtle panels did you like that i did like that that was the one that i was thinking like they're a little bit chunky in um, yeah. But yeah, it's totally an homage to the first issue cover, I believe, mm. of Turtles. Um, and yeah, it's iconic. And I just love his style. Like, it's kind of Arthur Adamsy with all the lines. Um, yeah, he's fantastic. The art's gorgeous. It's just fun to have it in color um, for Turtles specifically, I guess. Yeah. It just makes it feel more like a Saturday morning cartoon in a good way. I gave it an yeah, 8.0. But... Sorry, please go. Oh no! I was just going to ask you what you'll give it. You gave it an eight point oh. I'll give it a, I'll give it a nine. That was a good start. I've I've been sitting here googling H.G. Wells and Senso, and I don't see anything technically called Senso, but it does say that it's related to War of the Worlds, which is by H.G. Oh. Wells. So maybe maybe the aliens come. Well, they're they're Martians. Yeah. Maybe there's some other word in there, but oh, sorry. In parentheses, you saw you Senso. Uh, storyline given the working title War of the Worlds is it a Usagi Jumbo storyline? Uh, okay. oh. So, yeah, sorry, it would have been after that. Yeah, I feel like now is a good time to interject something about the name 311. Yeah, you're just stealing happy hours. Me, yeah, I'm stealing. I, they stole happy hours from me once with every album. The band's name, though, was chosen by Aaron Peanut Wills. From yeah. the police code for indecent exposure in Omaha after a friend of the band was arrested and cited for skinny dipping in a pu- pu- a public pool. <laughs> wow. Nude swimming will get you arrested, friends. Omaha. Oklahoma. So, um, Django, where did you want to take us next? I mean, you know, we're we're nearing the end, but if we just got some like short minute, minute or two discussion, you know, things about books let's get him out Just, there like, pop the champagne and start talking i'm gonna do a little miller minute oh i was gonna i was gonna talk about the ambassadors issue too i, well, I really do it if, if we're doing if we're doing pseudo buckshots uh predator number two i liked it this is like this eighth predator comic that i've read in a row and uh i dig them they're there it's it's like a whole planet of 
people who have been frozen and then thawed out in order to uh, challenge the predators. And the the woman from the first series is here, and so are a bunch of paramilitary dudes. And uh, there's some other crazy, scary, like super scary aliens oh. on the planet also. Um, so yeah, Ed Brisson is is writing a pretty good Predator comic that's keeping me engaged. Also, Little Monsters, Jeff Lemire, Dustin Wynn. Uh, one more issue until the end. So it's going to be a 13-issue series, which is super weird. Whatever. Uh, um, you know, little little Roman's still around in there somehow. I like hey. Roman. Uh, Django, you have 18 seconds left. Um, well, I just wanted to say, uh, don't tread on me. But not like in the Texas way, in the 311 band name way, which for all I know is the Texas way. I, I don't really know for sure. How long do I have left? Is that... Can you not hear that? No, we can't hear it. I can't hear anything. Zoom Dang is too it, good can't. at ducking loud noises. It's, it it's is. Really... We're losing the sound. It was going <laughs> it's really off. really chumping our shite. It's really chumping our shite. Um, well, let's talk about ambassadors for a minute then since... I miss buckshots. Yeah, I know. You kind of like created that moment i i support yeah, I'll, do a, I'll do a buckshot but okay. after we talk about the ambassadors cool uh mark miller carl kershaw this is the second issue in the series first issue famously drawn by frank quietly um each issue is so going to have a different artist drawing it this one we see our main superhero lady pursuing giving superpowers to other people who do good deeds she's clearly got some deep ways that she's analyzing all people in the world to judge their moral character but apparently we meet this young boy who had a crush on a girl and she's in a shoot him up and he takes a bullet for her and gets put in a coma and he's kept there and then she decides to give him the superpowers without asking him i'll add and it saves his life and he comes back to life and uh we realize that he was in a coma for eight years so everyone's grown past him and that's an interesting story beat uh, and we meet one of the other people who's gotten superhero powers. And uh, yeah, it's there's a lot going on. But um, I didn't feel like it got held back a ton by the art. And the rest of the artists in the series are artists I would love to see them do art. So if this is the lowest that it's going to be, then that's okay with me. And I like the story. I think I like actually the story of this issue more than the first issue. Just because like more immediate mm. things happen. Whereas more... In the first issue is more uh, ground being put together, but also was drawn by Frank Quitely. So then there's that. I I like the first issue a lot more than this issue mm -hmm. from a writing and art perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the characters felt a little bit uh, on the nose and lazy to me. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like caricatures of where they're from, um, which isn't necessarily wrong. It just didn't it didn't feel like it was uh, super shaking anything up. Uh, which is what Mark Miller does best, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still in. I'm in till the end. I I like this guy's ridiculous stuff that he's doing. Roman, you reading this book? I am, but I haven't got to that issue yet. Okay. Well, things happen, and you might like it more than the previous issue, and you might like it um a lot less. I read the first page, and I was like, I have no idea. Did I read the first issue? And it took me a while. Now I remember for sure hearing. Django said that. Oh yeah, I did read the first issue. It I was liked. the Frank Quitely one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first issue was very good, and I I don't like this one a ton more, but I just I I did like the characters in it. Um, I felt for him for sure. Z's Django, I gave it an eight point five. Seven point five for me. 
Nice. Really, really hurt by the art. Although nothing like, I don't know if, if Mark Miller was writing specifically for the artists on each issue, because if this guy had done the first issue, I don't know that the violence would have worked. And if Frank Quietly had done this issue, oh, yeah. it mm. might've, it, it might've been even less engaging than a lot of those boardroom scenes in that other one. I don't know. It's that's a great point. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about the creative process here. I bet he for sure knows their strengths when he's writing the scripts for each one, you know? Yeah. Like, quietly, famously great at highly detailed violence. Um, I don't know yeah. too much about Kershaw, but we'll see more of him as it goes on. Uh, Jen, can we just quickly then talk about Nemesis Reloaded? Uh, like, yeah. I fucking yeah, love do you this want, book. Do you want a minute and, uh, like, 35 and a half seconds each? Sure, I'll do that with, with some Roman, other things. Because that would be... Let's do that. Okay. All right. A minute and 35 and a half seconds because twice that is uh, three minutes and 11 seconds. Go. Oh, I like that. Um, well, I also read Storm and the Brotherhood number three by Al Ewing. This is the third issue in this mini series in The Sins of Sinister. And I really didn't care for this one too much. There was elements I wanted to be reading, but uh, I did not care for the characters. I was just kind of waiting for it to be over, which is sort of how I felt about the first issue as well, which is a bummer to be reporting. But uh, again, there's so many cool parts to The Sins of Sinister thing, and they're all pretty interconnected i wanted to be abreast of the situation if you will pretty excited to see how it all wraps up in sins of sinister dominion on the 26th uh also silver surfer Ghostlight i read by john jennings excited to hear roman's thoughts on this one as well i don't think this issue struggled nearly as much as the second issue did with really slow pacing and high like text on page ratios this was all paced real well. Again, I really like the art. It's kind of in that Somni vibe, but it's just got some really classic Silver Age stuff it feels like it's doing and insanity of those characters. And so I thought that was really fun to be a part of. I'm excited to see more of this thing. X-Men number 21 was great. The Brood storyline is wrapping up and I can't wait to see what's going on. It feels good to be reading an X-Men comic. And I also read World Tree because they sent it to us and there was a ship, like a printing error. And that issue is awesome. And anyone listening to this that doesn't have it on their pull list to have it get in there when it comes out in a week or two should definitely do that now because this is a good comic and you'll wish you were reading it. And I am waiting wow. to talk about that Nemesis is Reloaded. Your time. Yeah. That yeah. is your time, buddy. That was that was well done. Thanks. I Thanks. can't get it to stop, though. Do you like can you still hear it? Yeah, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I got it to stop. Nice. Yeah. Roman, get some time, because it's 311 and I, oh yeah. Go. <laughs> um, well, I also read Ghostlight, and I really liked it too, because it is great Silver Age stuff, you know, stuff with the stranger and explaining why he was the way he is the last couple issues, which I thought was very clever. There's a new faction of AIM in Red Cop Beekeeper outfits, which is cool. Read Star Wars Ewoks number one, one yeah. shot. I think it's all just a one shot. And, you know, it, it was cute. It was fun. There's no dialogue because they're Ewoks, um, but they're all sitting around a campfire telling stories. And the middle story by Kyle Hotz is very scary because mm. it's about Ewoks that end up on the forest floor. And there's this horrible, I guess, native monster thing that eats Ewoks. And it's it's effective. Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy number one or Legacy number one hundred eighty-one by Lansing and Kelly. It, I guess I'll keep reading. It's interesting. It's kind of like it's straight up western. It's Firefly except the Guardians. Um, and I don't know. It's got some cool art. Eight billion genies. The last issue, number eight of eight. 
was great. Um, I didn't quite, it confused me a little bit because the, uh, the you know, you know, it's numbers and numbers are hard, um, <laughs> but it has a good ending and it could actually set up a sequel possibly, but it's the end. Was that my time? Not yet. You got five seconds. Oh, you got Captain, Amer- you got Captain, Captain America Cold War Good. Part 1 Alpha. I'm cool. sorry, Roman. Your time's up. Roman, tell me about Cold War Alpha. Was that good? Is that written by <laughs> no. one of the writers of the two series? Or is it... Is well, I guess, it... I guess you couldn't hear me over Django's talking, but I wrapped it up. I said, cool. Oh, it was cool? It's good? <laughs> is there a cool thing? Could you break it down to me in like six seconds? It does have some weird-ass art. Um, there's some perspectives that are pretty strange. But, Kinda you know, like it's... But yeah, but not that. Uh, oh, here's the. There's a panel in here that's definitely Kirby style. Cap making a leap, and actually it works pretty well. Um, it's pretty cool. It's setting up an interesting adventure. Of, you know, and the characters we all like. If you like Cap, you know they're still pursuing this this secret society that's behind the shield and everything. And that Bucky has gone over to try and infiltrate, but ended up getting an old friend of theirs killed. Hmm. Um, so they're still doing that shield story. That's cool. Yeah, it's continuing all that. The only thing I didn't like is for some reason Sharon Carter is is uh she's very sweary in this issue. And like it Tom King seem, sweary? Yeah, it doesn't seem to fit her what we know about her so far in the last forty years. Ooh, Django, one thing to mention about Danger Street. They fixed that problem that they did in the second issue, I think, where if they curse and they refer to that same curse again, they change the letters thank for for there's a reference where it would have to be the same word and they use the same expletive punctuation so oh good um okay (laughs) you guys i didn't talk about nemesis preloaded because i didn't know we're gonna do that as a group or not but you guys this book came out and i i really like it and there's only one issue left if i had to hypothesize the next issue is going to somehow tie it into the larger miller verse thing but I'm interested. I keep forgetting that there's this background story of a mystery about the world's oldest secret and like the forgotten president. And I'm excited to see what that is because I'm just reading it for the all out rambunctiousness of it. Um, but there's also a cool mystery in the background. Nice. You like it, Django? I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that one. Oh, you haven't read it I yet. Haven't okay. Read it yet. Okay. No, no, but I, it's, it's on my, on my priority list. I just only got eight comics in me this week so far. Yeah, it's been a bit busy and weird week again. I've been sorting the books earlier so I can we can be ahead on Tuesdays and means I take a couple of them home early and read them like this week. I read the final issue of Deceased and Nightwing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm living in the final issue of Nightwing. Final issue of Deceased. And And also and just an issue of Nightwing. Anyway, nice. That's the sound of us petering on out. This dune buggy ran out of gas. But listen, I'm sure that we'll be able to keep it. No. But I'm sure that we'll be able to. I'd like it more e- if it was. I'm sure that we'll be able to keep each other. Company. It's fine. Jeff. Just, just, just barrel over me. I don't mind. <laughs> so this dune buggy's out of gas, and I'm no, sure not it- like that. Like you gotta, you gotta just like. So I'm sure it'll be fine, and we'll keep. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to keep each other company as we walk through the desert together at twilight. I think that there's some lights on the horizon, so I, I think we'll be able to get some help. Unless that's want to try that marriage. again, but like like with the gaps where you're waiting for me to interrupt you or whatever you're doing there, just like like kind of fluid and more of. I a... was nervous. It, it put me on my heels, and it made it harder for me to construct my thoughts because I was worried that what I was worried that what had happened was going to be happening again. It took my confidence away. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring you down <laughs> down into the hive like a prisoner well that's the first yeah. straw you could say i'm a little large oh. in the margin oh that's a great song name 
large in the margin i would write a love song to large in the margin <laughs> <laughs> i would be on the grace guy amber i hardly know her oh hey listen we had fun this week and you can be like will who's a very cool guy and send us an email or a voicemail that you attach on your phone to the email you send the email and you attach the audio file that you recorded you hit the record button on your audio app and then when you're done it'll have a little option for you to be able to share it you can send it in an email to jeff at the comicsplace.com we want them juice on us listen my um sharona sharona nice roman no i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> i'm sorry you guys but oh, oh he's calling somebody what's that what's that the phone's ringing you're kind of breaking up can you believe hello hey mike it's Django. hey hey you're on the perfectly acceptable no you're just on comics place presents the podcast <laughs> okay what's your favorite 311 song do they have songs fair enough <laughs> have a good night <laughs> Thank you. That was Mike, Mike Watney, Watney, one of our favorite people. <laughs> one of our absolute favorite people who's very busy right now during this time of year and just wasted two minutes <laughs> of his life. Sorry, Mike. Oh, he'll never get back in the flow. <laughs> yeah, he will. He will. Um, do they make songs? Um, okay, everybody, that was a blast. Thank you. We'll see you all next week for a rollicking good time and a fat stack of comics. Like always, I am your friend Jeff and don't forget keep watching the skies I am your friend Django and don't forget I would really like to hear a voicemail from our friend Phil Satile me too oh yeah that'd be two yeah, three, me three that'd be great and I'm Roman keep watching the ground 311 on YouTube <laughs> 311 on YouTube that too see you next week <laughs>